Grace. Come on, let's show Miss Vicky some love again. That's just like awesome. Yeah, bless you. Whew. When I get to heaven, I'm going to sing like that. Yeah, I'm going to become white, get some blonde hair. And um, yeah, I'm going to say you a lot of all. Nobody like you. Yeah, I get it just right. Yeah, <laughs> I love you, girl. Thank you so much. And she's such a, she's such a fun sport. She's such a great person. We want to thank God for that. She's going to sing a couple more at the end of the service, but we want to go into the word this morning. Um, is Roberta, Joanne, and Kathy here? Robert, Roberta, stand up, stand up, stand up. We want to love upon you guys real quick. Uh, come on, yeah. Let me tell you, let me tell you why we want to love upon you. You guys came down for the Sheila E. concert all the way from Pueblo, is it? And some, some of our members who went to the concert, they went to do evangelism, and they... But you came, as opposed to going back to Pueblo, you stayed overnight so you can come here this morning. And we want to love upon you. Yeah. Love you guys. Thank you. Come on, y'all. We can do better than that. See? That's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah. If I didn't have to preach this morning, I'd probably been at the Sheila E too. And then there'd been more people here because I'd have been preaching at the concert. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> But thank you all so much. Let's go, let's go right to the word. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 32. And um, if you're here this Sunday, I am finishing up. I'm doing part B of last week's message. So in case you missed the message from last week, you're going to need to go on iTunes and download the podcast and you can be caught up. So I'm going to move quick because there's just two more things I need to share with you this morning by way of the message. Um, and if our tech team can put... A big idea on the screen. I want to begin uh, just by talking through that, and then I'm going to read uh, Exodus. We're going to do verses 1 through 14, but I'll be moving quickly because uh, I want you to hear what God is saying and what God is doing in our midst. Before I read that, let me pray, and then we're going to allow God to be good. We thank you for you. You are an awesome. You're wonderful. You are a mighty God, Lord. So we thank you for who you are as we've been dealing with this series on coming out of slavery and moving to Canaan, that place of promise. I am praying, God, that as we share this morning that the word would touch someone's heart, convict someone to be closer to you, to develop a relationship with you, to know you in the pardon of their sins, Lord, to open our hearts. And I often say, forgive us for those golden calves that we have created. So as we review that briefly this morning, and move on to looking at your anger and then the redemption on the backside of that. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your grace, Lord. So open our hearts to receive. Open our hearts to be more like you. It is in your name we pray and thank you. Amen and amen. Now let me read this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move quick so we can allow God to be God. And what the principle on the screen really says, whenever we worship anything as the vehicle through which you receive our blessings from God. Now I'll explain that. And then credit the thing with the move of God in our lives. We tempt God to abandon his plan for our lives, creating the need for mediation between God and ourselves. I'll read that one more time. And if you weren't here last week, this probably won't make sense, but I'll try to recover as best as we can. Whenever we worship anything as the vehicle through which we receive our blessings from God, then Credit the thing with the move of God in our lives. We tempt God to abandon his plan for our lives, creating the need for mediation between God and ourselves. The next slide real quick kind of talks about worship God for who he is. You guys see that? Not what? 
Because of what? Yeah, turn your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor, when you worship God, worship him for who he is, not because of what he does. Yeah. That's why we appreciate that song, because of who you are, right? Not because of what you do, but because of who you... Come on, y'all. That's important. Not because of what we do, because our attitude with God starts to develop when God does not do what we expect him to do. That's where we get frustrated. That's where we get angry. That's where we want to engage God in arguments. That's where we start to get upset with God when he does not do what we want him to do. But our worship should not be for what he does, but because of who he is. A little bit brief literary context so we can jump right into the message. I want to review the first point and move into what I want to share with you this morning. God previously had delivered the Israelites from the land of Egypt and was taking them to this place of promise, namely the land of Canaan. God previously had destroyed uh, Egypt, uh, Pharaoh and his army in, in the wilderness of Sinai. The Israelites found themselves, I mean, in crossing the Red Sea, he destroyed Pharaoh's army. The Israelites found themselves now on the other side of the Red Sea and preparing to begin their journey to the land of Canaan. Now, you don't want to miss next week's message because next week I am honestly going to conclude the series. Uh, if God says the same, I got to keep adding that, <laughs> you know, uh, because I want you to see what happens at the base of Canaan because uh, that's where we mess up as well. So now here the Israelites find themselves at the base of Mount Sinai. God is interacting with Moses in that he brought Moses up to the mountain to give Moses specific instructions. Listen to what I'm going to say carefully on how Moses can be a blessing to the people or how God wants to bless the people. The challenge with the text, though, as we kind of look at the beginning of chapter 32, is that Moses did not come back when the people expected him to come back, and his time with God took longer than they anticipated. Now, here's what I said last week by way of principle on that particular point. My problem is I mess up while I am waiting on God. Don't look at me funny because you mess up. Come on, talk to me. While you're waiting on God, because it is in the waiting when, when, when we feel as if God doesn't show up when we think he should, when we feel as if God isn't responding and doing what we want him to do when he should be doing it, that's when we mess up the most. Are you with me? Come on, can I have two amens in here that, that, that will agree with me? It's in the waiting. It's in the waiting. It's in the waiting. If I am praying to God to fix my marriage and God does not fix my marriage when I think the marriage ought to be fixed. In the waiting, I'm going to build me a golden calf and ask God to bless it. In the waiting. Come on, y'all. Come on. Say amen. Let's look at the text and let's talk about this. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 says of chapter 32, and I'm reading from the ESV. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Look at verse 2. So Aaron said to them, Let us take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. Verse 3 says... So the people took off all the rings of gold that were in their ears, and they brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it 
with a graven tool, and he made a golden calf. Come on, say, he made a golden calf. Now listen to this carefully. And they said now, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. That's Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D, verse 6. And they rose up early the next day, and they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, just by way of brief review, and I kind of want to just hit a couple of things real quick, and then I'm going to move on to the two other things that I want to share with you. Here's what I said last week. Worship God for who he is, not because of what he does. Now, if I were to be honest with you, I don't think we can honestly blame the Israelites for creating this golden calf. Now, let me tell you why I'm saying that. After all, these were individuals that spent 400 plus years in the land of Canaan without a word from the Lord. Come on, are you with me? And then after 400 years of slavery, God raises up Moses, and Moses now is tasked with, with, with the job of going to Pharaoh to say to him, Yahweh, Elohim, God says, let my people go that they may serve me. And God did a series of 10 convicting, convincing plagues to, to convince Pharaoh to release the people of God. Now, what you need to understand that, that after 400 years of being enslaved, Moses show up, and Moses now is the closest thing to God these people had ever seen. Come on, y'all. Matter of fact, some of them were born in slavery, and all they had done was heard about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. They had never seen him. Come on, can we be honest this morning? Matter of fact, they'd never witnessed his hand. They'd never seen a miracle. They'd never seen anything. And Moses shows up, and Moses now is acting on behalf of God. And get this, he is doing the miraculous like only God could do. So the closest thing they had that looked like God was this fellow by the name of Moses. Now, here's why I don't want to blame them, because if after 400 years I've been in slavery, my family, my ancestors been in slavery, then I, with skepticism, leaves Egypt following you, and then, yes, I saw God part the Red Sea, but now I'm in Canaan because God took the longest route. Y'all remember that? Are you with me? I don't know where we're going, and now you're going to leave me? Come on, y'all. And, and you go up in the mountain to be with God, and, 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 and now there is no more voice of God. There is no more instruction from God. I don't know where God is because the only God I know is what I saw in Moses. If I am in the camp with the Israelites, this is why I'm saying Wednesday I was wondering what was wrong with Aaron. Now I understand I really can't blame Aaron for building the calf. Because I think I'm comfortable in saying, had you been there and a vote was cast, you'd have raised your hand. Oh, come on, y'all. Just holy and righteous because you know the whole story. But the reason you have a calf in your life is because you found yourself in a place where you didn't know what God was going to do next. You didn't know what God was going to say. Come on. And you approached the errands of your life. Are you with me this morning? 
Now, let me just say this briefly. Let me, let, let me point. I want to, I, I wrote something I want to read here. The issue, the issue was not so much because Moses was viewed as God, but because Moses now was gone, access to God was needed. Are you with me? And so they built this calf in hope that the calf itself would give them access to God. So, so, so in, in, in suggesting that Aaron made the God, the Israelites were not asking for gods to replace Yahweh. This is important, okay? They were asking for gods or something that can play, replace Moses so that if God needed to speak to them, they created a vehicle through which God could speak to so they could know God was with them. Oh, come on. Do I have any witnesses here? I want y'all to track into this. Moses gave them access to God. He is gone now here's what they're doing. They are creating now something that they want God to identify with so they can know God was with them. Let, let me say this, and I have to go to my second thing real quick. I'm just reviewing real quick, okay? So if you notice, if you notice in verse 6, here's what happens. When Aaron saw that the people attributed, here's the problem with the golden calf, when they attributed to the calf the fact that they crossed the Red Sea and they now called that thing Moses or God's, look at what he did. He built an altar in verse 6, and then he said, let's invite God now to come and bless what we built for him to speak to us through. Do this real quick. Say, instructions for worship, instructions for worship. is God to us. Not us, the God. Very, very important. One more time, one more time. Instruction for worship is God to us, not us, the God. Now, I wish I had time to go here. I'd have gone here, but let me, let me read this real quick. This is Exodus chapter 20. Then I'm going to share my two things really, really fast. Listen to what Exodus 20 says. It's verse 1 through uh, 6. I, the Lord, your, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Look at verse 3. You shall have, what? No other gods, where? Before me. And, 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 and the confusion that I said last week, and I'm going to stick with it for a while, the problem with the text is not verse 2. It's not that they created a God to replace God because they were not trying to replace Yahweh. They just needed something by which they can identify with God with. And here's where the problem came in. You shall not make for yourself a graven or a carved image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to it. You shall not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a what? Jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. The problem with the text is this. God didn't build it. That's the problem with the text. God did not build it. Okay? Here's where I get into problem. Is when I build a golden calf, and I say, God, come bless it. Because then I'm defining the rules of how worship and what worship is. Oh, y'all not getting me. Y'all not getting me. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be quick. I'm going to be quick, okay? Exodus says, you don't make 
God could do all he wants. But when you're going to go to worship in this way, you don't define the rules, I define them. Because if you look, if you read between 24 all the way to 32, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find God was in the mountain giving Moses instruction on what the temple worship should be like, what the, the, the altar, what the brazen altar should be, what the robe should be. God was defining how he wanted to be worshipped. He was defining the blessings that he had in store for the people. But because they got impatient waiting on this, they did that. Y'all love me? I need to give you an illustration. But, but I need y'all to come back. I need y'all to. Y'all, come on, y'all. I got to beg for mercy before I say this because y'all going to get mad with me. Somebody said, preach, preacher. See, that was only like two people. Everybody didn't say it. So, yeah, <laughs> y'all don't want to hear. Let me say this and I'm going to move on. Let me use me. I am praying for God to move in my life. And in the wait, because God is not moving, whatever move means, it could be buying a car, buying a house, it could be getting out of, it could be anything. And because I'm waiting and God doesn't move when I want to move or when I need him to move, I go out and I take my earrings and my gold teeth and everything, and, <laughs> and, and, and I go build a golden calf. And then I say, Lord, come bless it. How do you know you've built a golden calf, preacher? Well, when God says, worship me in the tithes and the offering, bring the tithes into the storehouse. And then when I come to worship and I say, God... You know my heart, but I don't have no tithes because my golden calf just took it all. <laughs> see, see the problem? I created a graven image. I created something in the likeness of something on earth, whatever the thing is, that that thing is so much a priority in my life. That God now is second place. Yeah, sure y'all like me. Yes. So to put God where he rightfully belongs, we need to burn the golden calf, right? Because here's where I get mad with God is when something goes wrong with the calf that I created and he don't fix it. <laughs> right? That's where my attitude with God comes up because my life is now in shambles and I'm praying to him to fix it and he refuses to fix it so I have an attitude with God. Listen to me real quick and I'm going to transition right into my second point. God has no obligate to operate based on rules that we have set. He is God and we don't dictate how he does and what he does. He is God all by himself. We don't set the rule. God does. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here. I wish I had somebody in here. God is in charge. We do not define the rules because when we define the rules, look at the, the rest of verse 6. We have the crazy, crazy parties because if I set the rule, don't nobody get offended, please. I know we're in this different age, 
we start moving in with our gods. We start doing things that's against what God said because we are now defining the rules. Let me hurry on to the second thing because y'all, can you put point two on the screen? I want y'all to see this really quick. Can y'all get there? Look at verse, look at verse as they, they work to get that up there. Look at verse, um, is there? Okay, good. Now go to the next one, the next one, number two. Here's what I want. Okay, whenever we credit the creative thing with the work of God, watch this phrase carefully, we tempt God to abandon his plan for our lives. I'm going to be careful with the word. We tempt. Okay, not that we make him. We tempt. Because the third point is going to be very, very gracious. We tempt. Okay. Um, you ever had a kid that you had in your will that you were going to bless but because they don't act right, you go meet with your lawyer and erase them out of your will and put, well, let me, your mom and daddy ever done that to you? <laughs> you know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? I thank God that he doesn't function like humans. Okay, I got to say this prematurely before I get to point three. God doesn't erase you out of the will, but um, sometimes he just grabs the eraser and goes over the paper and stands like this. Look, look, look with me at verse 7. Here's what I'm going to say. And the Lord said to Moses, Moses, go down and notice the change of pronouns. For whose people? Your people. Whom, who? You brought out of the land of Egypt. Have done what? They have corrupted themselves. Look at, look at the third person um, pronouns. They have turned aside out of the way that I have commanded them. They have what? Look at this reflexive now. They have made for themselves golden calf. And look at this. They have worshipped it. They have sacrificed to it. These are your gods, they said, who brought, it, brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people. They are just a bunch, this is Gilbert translation, jacked up people. Stiff neck, verse 9, uh, verse 10. Now, therefore, he says, let my wrath burn hot against them, that I may consume them in order that I may start over again. I want to say it that way, that I may make a great nation out of you. Now, here's what point two says. When we go to making golden calves, it's as if we tempt God to turn his back on us because he's no longer Lord, the calf or the thing that we're crediting with his glory, has become Lord in our lives. So it's like God saying to Moses, hey, Moses, they want to define the rules? Let the thing they created deliver them. If you want to check why a lot of our prayers are not being answered, we might just want to check what we're praying for. If it's a calf, excuse the grammar, God ain't obligated. He's going to say, you build it, ask it to help you. Hey, Moses, they built a calf, and they're saying the calf took your place, so they must be your people because my people would not do something like that. My people who are called by my name are going to know who I am, and they're going to stay committed to be. So because they're acting like that, they must not be mine. They must be yours. 
So you better go help him. Because I'm done. It's deep. So listen to what he says. I'm almost through. Verse 10. Leave me alone, Moses. It's like he's saying to him, Moses, you can go ahead and go down there. I'm done. Because I'm going to kill him. I, my wrath is going to consume them. And matter of fact, I'm thinking on starting over. And then don't mess with the, a great nation out of you. Are you interested, Moses, in being that person? See, this is why I'm saying sometimes we tempt God to start over without us. Now, third thing. Anybody in here know that God is a covenant-keeping God? Come on, come on. Does anybody know that? Does anybody know that God is a covenant-keeping God? Are, are you guys with me? The reason I'm here, the reason you're here is because God does not go back on, yeah, yeah, come on, I need two folk that know that this morning, that God does not go back on his word. Put the third point, let me read this. Look, look with me at verse 11. This is a critical and a pivotal verse that we're going to end here. But Moses implored, Moses cried out, Moses beseeched Yahweh, his God, or Yahweh Elohim, and he said, O oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with what? A mighty hand. Let me kind of tell you what that's saying. It's like Moses is saying to God, hold up God, hold up God. I know they get on your reserve nerve. I know you want to kill them. I know you want to wipe them out. But God, listen, listen, don't nullify the power of what you just did for them by letting them to go back into that thing. Y'all didn't get that. The reason you haven't gone back yet from the thing God brought you out of is because the Holy Spirit has been interceding at the right hand of God even though you have built your golden calf and sometimes God want to say, I ought to just let them go back in. But the prayer says, God, that's against who you are. If they go back, then they're going to say you didn't deliver them. So don't let them go back. That's a good argument, isn't it? The reason I'm still out is because I know God brought me out. The reason you're still out, come on, anybody in here, know that the reason you're out is because you know that God brought you out. Come on, y'all, that's good news. That's good news. Look at the second thing. Look at the second thing. And watch this one, verse 12. Why should the Egyptians say, God, that it is with evil intent that you brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Why, God? Right now, you have 5,000 up on the Egyptians because Egypt was, had world power. They were the dominant empire at the point in time. They were the reigning empire on the face of the earth. And you defeated their pharaohs along with all their gods. You killed them all. And so the people in Egypt right now are trembling because of you. Now look at this, God. If you take these people here and you kill them, the Egyptians are not going to be afraid of you anymore. Don't do it, God. Don't do it. Because then you're going to give the world a hand up on the church. I wish. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. Don't give them a reason to say you can't do what you said you're going to do. This is an important setup for next week, okay? Don't give them a reason to say. And look at how we followed it up with the third thing. Watch this really quick. Verse 13. Remember. Come on, say Remember. 
Say it again. Say remember. Remember Abraham. Remember Isaac and Israel. Servants to whom you swore by your own self. Ah, y'all didn't get that. And said to them, I will multiply your offsprings as the stars of heaven. And, and all this land that I pro have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they will inherit it forever. And the Lord, this word says, relented. I'm going to talk about that in a little while. From the disaster that he had spoken on bringing on the people of Israel. Back up to verse 13. Remember Abraham, remember Isaac, and Israel or Jacob, and, and your servants to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring like the stars in the heaven, and all the land that I promise I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it to heaven. Listen to me carefully. The only reason I'm here, the only reason you're here, the only reason we're still on path to do what God called us to do is because God released a word, and he sealed the word because he swore by himself. Here's what Abraham, I mean, Moses is saying to God. Hey, God. The only reason you came on Mount Moriah and called me out of that burning bush wasn't because of me. It was because of a word that you released many, many years ago before I even came on the scene. You went to this fellow by the name of Abraham who had a son, Isaac, who had a, a descendant called Jacob. And you promised them that you're going to make their name great. You're going to multiply their seed like the sand of the earth. And then you're going to take them to this land that you're going to give them. So here it is. Years later, you come to me. And the only reason you came to me is because you're a covenant-keeping God. You will not go back on your word. I want you all to hear that. I want you all to hear that. And then look at the text. It says here, it says here. Verse 14, when God heard that, and the Lord relented, the Lord relented. That's what my translation said. It's the Hebrew word naham, okay? And I don't like translation that says, and the Lord changed his mind, because he's an omniscient God. Change his mind kind of connotes or implies that new information showed up that caused him to process differently. That means there were certain things that existed that he might not have known. And if there's information on the first of the earth that God doesn't know, then he can't be God because the God that I serve, there's nothing that he doesn't know. Come on, are you with me? That's why we call him omniscient. Because he knew what to know before knowledge was invented for him to know what to know. That's the kind of God he is. So what the word relent is, it's like the word Naham in Hebrew that says, it's the Nephal stem that says, God was moved with compassion because he realized they are mere humans and humans are prone to sin. Poor people. I guess they're just doing that because they're humans. So let me continue to be God and don't stoop to their stupor. So I'm compassionate for them. And because of my compassion for them, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do in spite of them. Oh, I wish oh, y'all didn't get that. You, you got to get that. You've got to get that. The reason, here's how Isaiah says it, that as the dew comes, the rain comes from the sky and falls on the earth and does not return without first watering the earth, so it is with my word. It will not return to me void, but will accomplish that which I sent it out to you. People, that is good news. If God created you for a purpose and you're still alive under the sound of my voice, God relents every time you mess up, not because 
because of you, but because of his word. I wish I had somebody in here because of what he said. And if God said it, that settles it whether you believe it or not. You better know God's going to stand on his word. And so because of his word, I'm here. Because of his word, you're here. Because of his word, we're here. Because of his word, I can say we're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to get to Canaan. Because of his word, you're going to get there. Ah! God remembers his word. I wish I had somebody in here. You just need every now and then to remind God of what he said, not what you want, what he said. I wish I had somebody in here. And if God is reminded of what God said, God does. He does. He does. Based on what he said. So I worship him for who he is. Not what he does, because if he does what I want him to do, it's only built based on a calf that I built that has me in a certain predicament, and I don't know what to do, so I need him to come down to my level. <sighs> don't you know if you build it, it's not his word, it's your word, and he's not obligated to move on your word. He's obligated to move on. So if God says he has a Canaan for you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get to Canaan. Doesn't matter what it looks like right now. You're going to get to Canaan. Here's the good news in the text. In spite of all the golden calves you built, you're still going to get to, yeah. That's grace. That's grace. That's what salvation is all about. He sent his son to die in my place and in your place because we keep wanting to define the rules. And it keeps ticking them off. But he keeps demonstrating his love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, his word said, I'm going to die for you. His word didn't say, I'm going to stop if you sin. It says, I'm going to die because you sin." Because it's through the shed blood that I'm going to redeem you back to myself. Because I can't have you going into Canaan jacked up building golden calves while you're in Canaan. Are you with me? Come on, say thank God for his word. Say thank God for his word. Come on, come on, say thank God for his word. Thank him 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 for his word. So I want to say to you this morning prophetically, if you know that you know that you know that you know you have a word from the Lord, hang on to the word. Are you with me? Run it through the golden calf filters. Because if you build it, let go real quick. But if it came this way and it had nothing to do with what you constructed, uh, Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on to the word. Vicky, come. Here's what I want to do. Bow your heads with me. And, and I, want, I, want, I want every person in here to pray because next week's message, I'm going to skip a whole lot of wilderness wandering. And we're going to be 11 days later right on the brink of Canaan. And I'm going to ask you a question. Are you part of the minority 
Or are you part of the majority? I'm going to ask you that next week. Because everybody say I got a word, but they're part of the crowd. Bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, move God. Thank you for your word. We worship you because of who you are, not because of what you can do. So we thank you for your word. Thank you for how you're moving. If there's one here today, God, that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit, don't let them leave this place the same way they came. Draw them to a place, God. If they need to come at this altar and fall before you, draw them, Lord. Let them come. Let them come. Let them come. Let them come. If there's been a person that's been in a long wait, and metaphorically speaking, it's been more than 40 days and 40 nights, and they're ready to give up, remind them, Lord, that the word is coming. Hang on to the last thing you said, and don't give up in the wait. For that person, God, that's saying, well, it's been 40 years and my marriage isn't right yet. God, you release the word of covenant. Don't let them give up. If it's been 40 years and they're still in the financial dilemma, God, let them hang on to your word. If it's 40 years and the sickness is still there, let them hang on to your word because your will is going to be done. And we're going to worship you not because of what you do, but because of who you are, God. So whether you do or not, it will not impact our praise. And we refuse to build any more golden calves while we are waiting. Bless you, Lord Jesus. We refuse, God. So, Lord, move mightily in this place. We give it all to you, God. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen.